0: Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind, you've only got one shot.
1: Hey there this is Larry Bettag with No Rewind. I am very excited today with our next guest but before we hop in I as always want to thank Cherry Creek Mortgage for sponsoring it and my selfless shameless self-promotion. Cherry Creek Mortgage has been very good to me and I thank them for today's uh, sponsorship and I want to just say welcome uh, to No Rewind. So today I have a friend of mine who goes by the name of Pam Click. And how Click came about was probably through marriage, because I always knew you as Pam Sims. Mm -hmm. And we have known each other for quite some time, but I want to say first and foremost, welcome today. It's great to see you.
2: Thank you, Larry. It's so good to be here with you.
1: I know, I know. Well, well, one of my favorite things to do is to talk about, especially with someone like you, is the length of time. I mean, how, how long have we known each other? It's been...
2: I know, so maybe 19... Eight, let me see, 19...
1: 85?
2: 1985.
1: Uh, 1985. So that's what I'm thinking. Something in ninety-five, oh five, fifteen. So 36 years.
2: It's been a long time. Holy
1: cow. Yep. Remember when we were young and good looking?
2: <laughs> and I thought I was fat, and I look at pictures now, and I was actually
0: quite scared. <laughs> I thought
1: I was old like a, 10 years ago. And right? I was like, no, I was young 10 years mm-hmm. ago, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, We sure had a lot of fun. And you know what? I didn't go to school with you. You went to where?
2: I went to Hope College in Holland, Michigan. In Holland, Mm -hmm.
1: Michigan. And what brought you? Tell tell them how we we got together and how we we got to know each other.
2: Yep. So um, Larry and I met at IBC. It used to be Illinois Benedictine College. It has a different name now. Benedictine University. Yeah. And um, it was right down the street from my parents' house. I was Mm -hmm. a former competitive swimmer and... Mm -hmm wanted to, um, teach swimming lessons in the summer, and we had a great group of instructors
1: that year. We had the best year. group of instructors for many years, yeah. um, but that mm-hmm. first year was really what bonded. I think there were some instructors that came and went, but I think there was, the you, myself, and a few of us have stayed probably three plus years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we had, <laughs> we had a lot of fun times. We were college kids, and, uh, I remember <clears throat> some mom, um, my last year kind of drove me to retire because she kept hitting on me. It was a Mrs. Robinson situation, and she ended up uh, finding my, my parents' private home doctor's private phone number, and they showed up at places where it was weird. Are
2: you kidding? No. I don't think I knew that.
1: No. That, we'll, we'll talk more about okay. that off there, but <laughs> the The uh, one
2: thing I remember was the lifeguard that was a Chippendales dancer.
1: Yes. And he it, would
2: push the broom on the pool deck. And do his I, sexy moves.
1: Yeah, he would do that, I remember. And I think it was up in uh, Lake Geneva, the Sugar Shack. I remember exactly what you said. Yeah. Do you remember what you said? No, I don't. <laughs> well, I forgot his first name, but let's call him Chuck. Okay. And uh, it wasn't Chuck. He probably had a stage name like right. Sugar Bob right. or whatever. And, uh, but you said to me one time, you said he keeps inviting me up to whatever the name Sugar Shack or whatever it was. And you said, "Oh yeah, like that's what I want to do is go sit in the front stage and watch him shake his weenie at me." <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? I don't remember that. Well, I well, it's
2: true though. I, Come well, on. I know, and
1: he asked you over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the rest of us, I think the most of us, we were pretty normal people. <laughs> and how many how many kids did we have that day? I and mean, every day it was like what it was eight sessions, yes. and it was like probably at least probably a hundred kids a session between the yeah. eight lanes maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. So maybe 800 kids a day.
2: Yeah, yeah. we had a lot of kids, mm-hmm. it was great.
1: I remember the one time on my way home, cause I lived here in St. Charles. And on the way home, um, I remember I was just so tired from swimming in the pool eight hours a day and I fell asleep and there was four lanes of traffic. And I was in the far right lane, you know, two lanes going forward, two lanes going back. I was in the far right lane I started to fall asleep and I fell asleep and came all the way to the fourth lane of traffic and I was out like a light and then all of a sudden some car honked as hard as I could. And my head flew up and I went from the furthest right lane to the furthest left lane and all these cars passed me, drove around me um, as I was driving head on uh, in the traffic off of Fabian Parkway and I said at that point I, I just swerved back. Thank God I didn't die. Oh
2: my goodness! But I, I said, don't remember that.
1: I said from that point on, I will never, ever, ever drive home tired. I'll, I'll pull over, and I, yeah. I did I, I fell, fell asleep in many parking lots on the way home because we worked pretty hard. Yeah, know? we did. Yeah, it was it fun. Was fun. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we, we, uh, what I want to do today is talk about uh, maybe your journey um, a little bit because you've had pretty unique. You're, you're, you're pretty amazing and. I, I think the thing that I love about you, and, and I'll probably say this, uh, you know, over and over, but I think that you and I have always had just this incredibly real relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, um, we'll talk a little bit about that in the deep end of the pool. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you ended up going off and, uh, and getting married, and then you had a career which really has... Um, really resulted in some really big accolades. And uh, I know you well enough that I know that you're not the accolade seeker. You're the one that's, uh, you want to make other people look good and you want to help people and strengthen them. And so I think that we go there. Does that sound good? Sounds good. So,
2: um,
1: first of all, let's talk one more thing about uh, the, um, this is so much fun when you and I were together. um, I think there was, the one thing that was great about you and I, there was never... The dating element with you and I it was more like a brother sister thing, but we were kind of besties, kind of.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, uh, you would break up with someone and you'd want to hang with me, and then I'd hang, break up with someone or get dumped by someone. I want to hang with you. Right. But We would go down to the deep into the pool and, and remember that?
2: <laughs> glub, 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 you know, down we'd to sink the bottom. all
1: the way down to the bottom where you <laughs> try. We said it was okay to cry underwater because no one would ever tell you. <laughs> right. And so, and oh yeah. my, yes. Yeah. But we laughed a lot. We, we had a lot of fun. It
2: was awesome. That's when, when Harry Met Sally was popular. Was it? And my sisters would say, when Pammy Met Larry. But we <laughs> were just friends. Like, we were friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. when Pammy Met Larry. It was like, you were my bud.
1: Yeah, I think there was, I, I, I remember, I don't know what year it was, but one of the years. I, I You were dating, I think, probably one of the people that were there. And um, I, I was a little bit jealous, not because romantically, but I, I, my, my buddy was taken away from me, and I was yeah. kind of like, you know, I kind of want to hang with her. I'm like, um, you know, I got nothing going on. I'm not doing something with my buddies or whatnot and, and whatnot. But I, I, I know that that connection, and as I tell people to this day, it's like um, I, I'm so grateful that you're within my sphere. We always connect our, our, our satellite rings. You know, connect. You know, once every year or two, we get to have a breakfast together and. We definitely text each other, and um, I, I, I abandoned The Bachelorette and The Bachelor, mm-hmm. but are you still in it?
2: I said I was going to, and I ended up watching this morning. I okay. saw it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to continue. Yeah,
1: yeah mm-hmm. you and I had that going on forever, mm-hmm. I think. I oh, did, yeah. I divorced that uh, before you did. So <laughs> that, all right. Well, you are retired. Tell me about how you got into where you got into because this is where it gets exciting what what did you do for a living up until a couple weeks ago
2: yeah up until a couple weeks ago i was um a first or second grade teacher and a stay-at-home mom slash private tutor yeah so i taught for 24 years
1: and uh how did you get into teaching why teaching
2: Honestly, from the time I was nine years old, I used to play school with my sister every night in our bedroom, and I'd make her spell, have her spell apple or pineapple, or I still remember the same words. And do addition <laughs> really? facts, yes. Huh. And subtract, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher.
1: You know, it's kind of funny, I will tell you, probably, you're, you're a complete example of when we talk about how God kind of writes things on people's hearts. Mm-hmm. But you listened probably better than a lot of people. I know. For myself, I fumbled through a lot until I landed where I got to. But seem um, you know, for me, it appears like you knew since day one that this is what I want to do.
2: Yeah, it was. I, I've never wanted to do anything else.
1: So when you got done with um, when you got done with um, college, you go straight into teaching. mm
2: mm-hmm. So my I always wanted my ultimate goal was to get a job in Naperville two hundred three. Mm-hmm and I um, I remember that yeah do you
1: because you were from um, Naperville yeah and I remember if I I'm going to just jump ahead guess see if I'm good but you're going to work somewhere else to try it out uh, or to find your spot until something opened up
2: yeah that's the I met with the associate superintendent and he said Pam if you want a job here you have to get experience so I moved to Birmingham Alabama I followed two um, teachers Down there that I worked with in Michigan, in Holland, Michigan, where I went to college. Hmm. And I took my first teaching job there. In Birmingham, Alabama? Yep, suburb called Hoover.
1: I wonder why, I mean, I I knew you at that point. I don't know why I don't remember that.
2: Oh, honey, I could just talk like that all the time. (laughs) Can you? Uh, I can. That's good.
1: Maybe when you retire, you should go down there. I
2: I think I will be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I go down to Birmingham, Alabama, and
2: mm-hmm. so I went to Birmingham. I taught first grade. I had a wonderfully supportive parent group who knew it was my first year of teaching. And um, one Saturday, they um, somehow invited me—a parent, a couple parents—invited me to do something and to go to school to meet them. And I walked into my classroom on a Saturday morning, and my entire class and all of my parents were there. And yelled surprise and bought me furniture and bean bags and pillows and really think, yeah, gift card to buy things for my walls, posters for my walls. Hmm. Because as a first year teacher, you don't have anything,
1: no, you don't have anything. I know, like a lot of teachers, because I know at least in parochial schools, we have a a really, really wonderful one. And um, she was a first grade, still is a first grade teacher, and um, but um, she would spend her own money uh, buying stuff. Was that something you did as well? Absolutely,
2: yeah, at least. $500 Five hundred to a thousand dollars, if not more.
1: Hmm. Wow! for
2: For many many years, that's hmm. what you do. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Boy, that's crazy. So, I, I want to ask you: um, You're down there at, at Birmingham, and then um, tell me about your 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 uh, Tell me the rest of the the journey. I'm going to ask you some questions along along yeah, the way. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: So um, after Birmingham, I came up here and interviewed and. Um, Was offered a job in Naperville after I had signed a contract in another district. And I didn't feel right about breaking that contract. So I taught um, in Plano, Illinois. Okay. For a year. And then my third year, I got a job in Naperville, where I ultimately wanted to be. And I just loved it. And it was new and um, really inventive and cutting edge. I I just loved it.
1: In Naperville? Mm Mm-hmm. But you didn't finish in April No. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so
2: I got got my job there, and then Mike and I got engaged.
1: Okay.
2: And Mike had to fulfill a contract down in Miami. He has three more years left, Hmm. so I moved to Miami, Florida. Okay. And I, Uh, yeah, I taught in a private school there. Gloria Estefan's son went there. Um, Wow. This was when George Bush Sr. was just president, and Jeb Bush's kids were there. We had... Secret Service there that would wow. follow Jeb's kids around. Huh. Oh yeah, Julio Glacius. Wow. I told I taught um, Neil Diamond's first producer's daughter. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: How cool. So did you meet any of these people at all?
2: No. Okay. I was there a year. I okay. made a really good friend there. Mike and I spent our first year of marriage there. Wow. And then um, I said to Mike if you will move up here for me to be close to my parents and my family and Everybody, when we retire, I'll move back south with you. That was kind of the deal.
1: Wow, he must have been really smitten. I to know. Go. It's like this biblical thing where they say you're gonna work x amount of years. I think the guy for Rachel. I think, of and then you know the, the father says you got to work seven years, and then he doubled down, and so he he he, he ended up spending that time investing in that. So he, he uh, how many years has he up here for you?
2: Twenty nine years.
1: Twenty nine mm-hmm. years. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So either he's really committed to you, or he's really committed. Now that he's married, to move him back down there <laughs> to make sure that I fulfill my commitment. Let's see if she's <laughs> in for the long right, haul. Right,
2: exactly. How funny! Yeah. So he
1: was a teacher as well, too, because mm-hmm. he was ex former.
2: Well, former military. Yeah. He was a fighter pilot with the Navy. He flew the A six Intruder. Wow. And then um, he was in business, and he says one day he's at a traffic light in his Mercedes. <clears throat> Digging through his briefcase, you know, like, come on, like, waiting for the red light to to turn green so he can get upstairs to his corner office overlooking the city of Birmingham. And, and he looks up, and there's a disabled person trying to get across the street. And he said he looked at that person and how, what a struggle it was for them. And here he's just, you know, going for the money, trying to get to his meeting, trying to prepare and dig... And it was then he just felt like he had this pivotal moment and said, what am I doing? Mm. So he left that and went into teaching to become a teacher. And I said, like, seriously? Why can't I meet you when you had all this money?
1: I know. You got, you know, <laughs> right beforehand, you had all this potential. I know. And now you said, what do you mean? You can be poor as me? I thought what what gonna you were going to save mean? me.
2: It's all for love.
1: Actually, I think with teachers, somebody should be the smart one and not be in Thank." Teaching, you but, um, good for you good mm-hmm. for you and he was te- what, what did he teach all these years
2: he did um he taught science he taught physics math what um, grades high school and junior high okay and then was in administration for years and okay. retired and teaching
1: okay how long has he been stem one year okay
2: mm-hmm. he retired during the pandemic okay over a zoom call that's how he retired
1: you are kidding me mm-hmm. and what they say
2: Just congratulations, Mike. We hope you have a great retirement. I mean, it literally lasts Mm. three minutes I recorded the whole thing.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing world we're in right now.
2: Yeah, it is. It's crazy.
1: So i got to ask you, as far as like, you know, when when the public school system, I I talked to some other people and they say that the brain damage of being a teacher is horrendous compared to what it was 25 years ago. the, the politics, the red tape, um, what you can and can't teach. Is that true or is it not?
2: You know, I always obviously followed the mandates of the district, but I also did what I thought was best for kids. Mm-hmm. And kids need to be loved at school and they need to feel like they're in a safe environment and... Um, in order to grow and thrive Mm -hmm. behaviors are better academics are better everything's better when you have a family unit in your classroom at school and that's what I always strive for Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I think that there's uh, we joked on the way in um, I introduced you to some of my team to some of my team and um, I think they were amazed at the fact that you spent so many years at that age level Mm -hmm. because you're really being a mom to a lot of squirrels and yeah but I think that there's a lot of innocence at, at that age. Mm-hmm. And you haven't seen them being, I don't know, perverted or tainted or, or, or whatnot. But I, um, I, you know my, what I've heard across the board is just that um, the, the, the way that things are nowadays, it's so such lockdown and the, and the red tape. It's like, you know, my family, my entire family is in, in medicine. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad told all of my brothers, all three of them, not to go into medicine um, he said, back then, it's so socialized, and he goes, there is no such a free health care, not free health care, but a free market health care where patients can go ahead and do whatever. And they all ignored him because my dad was such a great servant, really, and um, he he did it well, and he changed people's lives. And I keep thinking about what he says. He goes, I told them that it was socialized. He goes, no, that was free market now compared mm-hmm. to the way it is now, and the right. red tape is horrible. My one brother up in Appleton, Wisconsin, said um, he spends more time charting and coding than he does seeing patients, And because if he makes a mistake, he can be criminally prosecuted. And it, he said it's, it's stupid. He wants to treat patients, and he wants to help people, and he's spending more time doing BS. And so that's why when I asked that question, have you seen that, the, the changes in that?
2: With so. all the assessments and recording and documenting assessments, that mm-hmm. is a huge change mm-hmm. for sure.
1: And was that something that you liked or didn't like? Oh, I hated it. Okay,
2: yeah, yeah, we did it all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Because you're a people person, I mm-hmm. gotta believe, without knowing what all those assessments are, that those yeah. are a lot of written things, in mm-hmm. they're right or recorded things or computer things that are recorded.
2: Yeah, not computerized, but written. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So I suspect that that's the one thing that you're probably happy that you're leaving. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes, but I'll miss every other part of it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so um, you get married, and um, I believe that you've. Um, Went and had offspring.
2: Yep. So we had two girls, Abigail and Emily. Um, Abigail's in optometry school, and her last year, and Emily's in her last. She just graduated from nursing school. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, I, I, and that came through maybe because of grandpa.
2: Yeah, the optometry part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll be fourth generation.
1: Wow. hmm Wow. So fortunate. Oh, could you have a sister who's She's, in that?
2: Yeah, she's an ophthalmologist.
1: Does she work with your father? No. Okay. No,
2: she's a cataract surgeon. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Good for her. Mm-hmm. That's great. Where's she, now, where is she? She's in Wheaton. Okay. I thought she was relatively local here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she doesn't want to work with her dad?
2: She, she wouldn't. Their practices are different. Okay. Yeah.
1: Because across the street, there's uh, my dad's partner, is Fox Valley Ophthalmology, and they have both ophthalmology and optometry in there. Okay. So, I didn't All
2: right. know oh, that, yeah. that was the case. Yes. So. Okay, <laughs> so you guys get
1: married, and you're now how many years in your marriage?
2: Now, this, right now, almost 30.
1: Almost 30 years. I know. Yes. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to make it to 25. (laughs) So you are so much further along than me.
2: It's awesome. Seriously. I look at Mike and I'm like, can you believe we've done it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, my
1: wife was just telling me today that I've, uh, not today, but this, this, a couple weeks ago to all the kids I've been with your father, longer than I've been single. Yeah. And um, it's kind of weird. You would never think that when you're young, you're looking for Mr. or Mrs. Wright or you're, you're praying for it or hope that that will come. And there's probably times right now that you can't believe that you spend so much of your time with the other person. And then there's probably some times where you're like, you wish that person would just go away for a day. <laughs> 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 or if I could just go away for a day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so and uh, 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 you just retired when? Um,
2: May 26th.
1: So we are talking for, for people that are, are listening to this for the first time. This interview here, we are talking probably just about a little bit over two weeks yeah. um, that, that Pam's been retired. It would be a career worker, so mm-hmm. I imagine things have slowed down for you a, a, a ton since you've retired.
2: Not really, because uh, I'm yeah. getting ready to sell our house now, and yeah. you know, closing up my classroom, I've been on a hamster wheel, but it's good.
1: So, your future, tell me about what your future holds.
2: Mm -hmm. So, um, we are hoping to sell our house soon while the market is good. And um, we are going to build a house in south of Knoxville, Tennessee. Good
1: for you. On a lake. Good for you. Good for Mm -hmm. you. Well, you'll definitely be missed here. Thank you. I know you'll be back up here. But um, let's go to a couple things because you had, uh, one thing I didn't know about you until you were well into it, um, but you had a, 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 a medical brush. Um where you had a brush with. Mm-hmm. And as I tell people, um, I you know the the thing that's cool about you and I is that we've always been very, very real with each other. And when I say that, I mean, honestly, um, back in the day before each of us put a ring on it, um, we were just very honest about the heartache that we would go through through our breakups uh, about our dreams and vision. And I think with the dreams and vision, um, you know you, you you have this fairy tale world in, in your mind. And then the next thing you know, you get married, and then you realize that life's not a fairy tale. So mm-hmm. I, I think I want to just touch on two things. But um, I, I, I had was, I, I just like to focus on marriage up front because I think that everyone thinks that marriage is a piece of cake. And even if you marry the best person in the world, um, what do you have to say to people that hear that?
2: Mm. It takes work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes prayer and forgiveness and grace yeah
1: and so so for you as far as did you ever have any challenging moments in your marriage oh
2: yeah absolutely and um, I'll share that which leads into the health issue yes so um, I felt like I was ready to call it quits with our marriage and for, for quite a long time and One day, I laid on my bedroom floor, on the carpet, with my face in the carpet, bawling my eyes out. And I had always been afraid to do this, and I told God that I wanted to turn everything over to Him, that I fully submitted, and that for Him to just take over and take charge. And I had always been afraid to do that, because I would hear other people that would do that, and they would... Say you know, and then, the, the, for example, this one lady at church. I I had a car accident and I broke my elbow, and I just told God to take charge of my life. And so I'm thinking, well, Jesus, it's going to get me a broken arm, or like, what else is it I in not Car accident. Yes.
1: So you were uh, you were ready to call it quits with the marriage? Why? Just because of the brain damage in the marriage, or because of the health issue?
2: No, not the health issue. Oh, brain damage in yeah. the marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I always tell people that you know I think that God takes. Two imperfect people, and he perfects them through marriage. Yeah. In other words, you don't have to be married to be perfected. Right. But I think it expedites things because you got. I go in there thinking I'm kind of pretty awesome person. Uh, humbly, I say that, and I think I got. I was raised by a great family, and then um, if there's problems in the marriage, it's definitely the other person. And um, and I know I have elements, but I would never think that I would be the cause of mm-hmm. those issues. And then. I think the guy just wants to burn that crap off.
2: Yeah. Well, I submitted and told him to do whatever it took. And two weeks later, at 37, I um, had been having like breast pain, pain in my breast, which is not a sign of anything, and um, went in for a mammogram, and i had just had one a year and a half before that which was fine at 35 i had my first so a year and a half later and um long and short of it is that i found out i had breast cancer and mm-hmm. i had a kindergartner and a second grader mm-hmm. and the only people at the time that i knew that ever had cancer were people that died and they were older people i just had no comprehension or understanding that um you could make it with cancer and that Mm -hmm. you, you know, you could thrive. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I got the news, um, from a doctor and ended up on the floor of the waiting room bawling hysterically saying, I, I want to see my kids grow up and sobbing in front of other patients that are waiting in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. They had to give me sniffing salts to get me up off the floor and push me out in a wheelchair.
1: So um, I mean, it
2: was de- I was devastated. So I,
1: I need to say this because you've never shared this with me, but I have known you for now. we said 36 years, mm-hmm. and I've never, ever, ever seen you be the emotional reactor other than crying over a breakup or something like that. No. You've never been the hysterical
2: no. woman. You're not the
1: drama queen. No, and um, so. That says quite a bit that you honestly I think in your mind kind of just jumped this thing that this is it kind of for you
2: absolutely mm-hmm. and so there were so many pivotal gut events through all of that and one is the first one well maybe not the first but one of many was that after we left that doctor's office I was in the car hyperventilating, and Mike said, what do you want to do? And I said, I need to go tell my parents. And my dad was on a long bike ride. He used to bike out in the country. And um he'd be back hours later, because when I say bike, I mean like a 60-mile bike ride. That was like a sure. normal thing. Yep. And Mike's mom and dad knew. Mike called them and told them and said, you need to find Pam's dad. And they just started driving in the middle of the country, not even knowing where to go, and found my dad and put his bike in the back of their truck and drove my dad home. Wow. Like, it was...
1: They could have gone north, south, east, and west. Totally. and The one direction they picked yes. is the direction he's out. Yeah.
2: And they, my dad comes home. My mom is waiting for me to tell her what's going on. And my dad went and got a lunch bag. And I was breathing in a lunch bag because I was hyperventilating. And I told my parents... And I think one of the reasons that it was so even compounded and so horrible was that three months prior to that, my sister was diagnosed with MS. And I felt like that was the, I mean, I just couldn't even believe this. couldn't believe this was happening to our family and to my poor parents. Mm -hmm. So not only did that happen, but I went through my first surgery and didn't get clean margins. And um, I studied abroad in Europe for a semester. I remember that. Yeah. And so now I'm kind of going back to another God thing. And I called my roommate and told her that I had cancer. And her mom had previously died of breast cancer. It had been probably the last maybe five years prior. And her sister... She said, Pam, you have to call my sister. And I said, who's your sister? And she here she was, the lead breast cancer surgeon at the University of Chicago. Hopkins. You are kidding me. No. I mean, Why? it was just, God just perfectly put these different people in my life through this journey. All the while, Mike was there for me tenfold, and I just saw this heart for him wanting me to get better and literally almost sacrificing his own self for me Mm. and by the time I got through my two lumpectomies my mastectomy and everything I looked at Mike one day and we're sitting together and looked at Mike and Mike said he's so sorry for all these things that had happened in the past and I literally looked at him this can make me cry (laughs) (laughs) and I said I completely have forgiven you Mm. I mean just God cleared it all away and he couldn't believe it and I couldn't believe it I had no way of explaining it Mm -hmm. it was like the slate was wiped clean Mm -hmm. And here I tried for—I don't even know how many years. Was it ten years to wipe the slate clean, and mm. I couldn't do it. Mm. But God did.
1: Well, I got to tell you—you you know me—I am not a, a crier, and I hate crying. And, me too. Uh, my my friend Joe Santucci was really yeah. the last time I, I really cried. I know. And um, but you just just see, you react this way. I, I felt these little I
2: <laughs> misties, but, but
1: I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I got the best wife in the world, and. For what it's worth, um, I I definitely have time spent time uh, giving her uh, brain damage that had I been more mature as a husband, it was stuff that she didn't deserve, nor did she sign up for. I I take solace in the fact that you know, um, there's two things I think of: is that uh, what God is united, no man divide, and they are no longer two but one. Yeah. And I also think all the time about God is perfecting you, and so. Even though I have issues now, instead of focusing on me, I, I feel solace that he's working on her, but I spend all my time just really telling God to work on me just if, if I focus on her stuff i 'll never be where i 'm supposed to be Great. and um, you know the, the thing I want to bring up which I think is really huge, is that um, you saying submitted, and I will tell you you you, you this is kind of funny, but you, when you and I were hanging out in the deep in the pool. Um, I went through the world's worst breakup. Actually, it was a pivotal part of my life um, with that, 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 that little blonde woman. Um, I and, remember. <laughs> and I was God's gift to God, and God was lucky to have me walking the face of the earth. And um, everybody knew it except for God, and I was kind of mad that he wouldn't play my game. And he wasn't a jerk. He just kept loving me. But he's like, no, 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 Larry, you, you got it all wrong. And so I went through my whole thing, but mine was different. I, I did it much earlier than you. How old were you when you were told God I'll submit?
2: 37.
1: So I was 21 or 22. And I said to God, what I said, honestly, is I said, God, I keep fucking my life up. Uh, I'm done with it. I, you, you fix this relationship. And I'll give you my entire life. And, um, God did. He, he tried to fix a relationship and I wouldn't let him fix it because I wanted him to fix it my way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so God just loved me up, and um, what I think about it is that I finally realize in my life i'm i'm you know me i'm i'm a I'm a wild sort and i'm I'm a wild bronco i i rules are just suggestions for me um i uh, I'm not a rule follower um but I really like to impact people's lives but um at the end of the day, I told god um you know you you, you take it over and in spite of that um in spite of me taking it over, he had a long way to go with me because over the course of my marriage my wife still paid for the fact that I'm a a rebel at heart Mm -hmm. I think that God makes men oftentimes to be conquerors and um, I I mean that in in a very cool way but I think sometimes if we don't get to do the things we want to do we just rebel and I think that as a result we probably hurt people that are close to us because we want to be rebels You know, -hmm. and so um, but for me to, for me, the best thing I ever did was really submit, and once I did and, and took wherever that course was taking me, my heart's never been as full.
2: No, it changed changed my life.
1: So it had yeah. to, did it change it for the better?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. even
1: going through all of that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and then not only that, but seeing how God, I felt like performed this miracle, and I didn't feel it; I knew it.
1: And the in miracle my heart. being what?
2: Saving my marriage. Yeah. And the second one was that, you know, one night I I wasn't sleeping when I had cancer and I was so distraught and I walked downstairs and of course Mike wasn't sleeping either. He's on the sofa downstairs watching TV and it's like two o'clock in the morning and he's still up and I walked downstairs. I don't even know what to say to him because I'm just at a loss for words and just at a loss that like couldn't even believe this happened to me. And so I like kind of stand in front of him and I'm kind of like blocking the TV. And this wasn't like a typical mic response, but he just looks at me and goes, what? And just kind of like puts his hand up, what? And I couldn't even talk. And then I said, I just can't believe God would let this happen to me. How I've always lived such a good life and I've done Pretty, I feel like I've tried to do everything that I'm supposed to do. And this is the part of Mike now that was like my rescuer that God showed me in a positive light instead of the strong military man. Do you know? And he sat up and he kind of pointed his finger toward me and he goes, you have it all wrong. God didn't do this to you. He said, God... God is working through you right now, and you mark my words. And he said it in such a commanding way. You mark my words. You are going to be here to talk this through with other people, and you are going to be here to be a testament to others of what God did for you. And it was like there was no doubt in his mind.
1: So I feel like I'm mostly saying, yeah. I right. mean, this is freaking awesome. I mean, honestly, <laughs> no. And, and I'm, I'm not, I, I am. I get, I, I get excitable like this, but um, not, not for effect. You know me, where I'm like, I'm pumped and I want to high five people. Yeah, totally. That's mean, how I am. This is like freaking awesome because yeah. the heroes aren't born; they're made. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Mike probably had his whole story of how he got to where he got to. And you told me the story about prior to meeting you, mm-hmm. as far as what happened prior to that. And I'm sure that whole um, helped him probably um, to, to, to be uh, a great wife to you. Great but husband to me. A great husband to yeah. you. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, this, this whole thing with journey, I, I want to ask you, because I, I'm going to tell you something I've shared with people in the past. But, I mean, looking now, having come out of everything through what God d- has done with you, compared to before, even though you were serving people, this is just a curiosity question for me Yeah. do you find that you were selfish before versus after or not
2: I don't feel like I was selfish but I just gained a deeper understanding of of the importance of enjoying your life while your days are good Mm -hmm. or knowing that there is something bigger that's going to make the hard days okay in the end. Somehow it's going to be okay no matter how gloom and doom it seems. And I can you know, I say that still sitting here 17 years later after having cancer. And so I know that you know, some people could say but but look look at your outcome. You've you've made it 17 years. But what I have seen for myself, is just this sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Every dance competition that I got to see in my girls, mm-hmm. every time I got to take them out for ice cream because yep. of their report card, you know, um, just any being there to make a birthday cake for them on their birthday. Like it doesn't matter what it was. There's just this. I used to just cry and say, "Thank you, God. Thank you so much that I got to see this. That I got to do this," because I learned. I learned through that time, I've not had anxiety since then, but I did during that six month time period, but just such anxiety. And I never, I've told people, I think having like the depression anxiety part was way worse than having cancer. It's just, it was debilitating.
1: The the reason I asked about the uh, uh, selfish, um, I heard this, I brought this up on one of the prior episodes and you have to you have to listen to my friend julie yeah. who had this terminal you know breast mm-hmm. cancer and went through stuff but um because there's some parallels but you approach things differently than she did but she mm-hmm. had miracles such as the miraculous oncologist that show, showed up and, and and that whole story is, is incredible but I, I, w- what we were talking about was i heard a preacher talk recently and, and you remember when i was going through my stuff And I say this sincerely, even though back then, I mean, we laugh about it back then because we were such morons. (laughs) Um, But we had awesome hearts. But um, they said that the people that this this preacher said that people who are depressed are some of the most selfish people out there. Because forget about biological medical depression because of chemical imbalances, okay? But the people that are very very depressed because it's all about them, and I think about when I went through this thing with tea, um, I was so depressed because everything was about me and I, mm. I wanted this perfect world. And because of the fact that this world wasn't perfect, I was, I was a, a freaking baby. I was. And mm. now fortunately I was incredibly nice. I was very nice to people. I was very engaging. I had great relationships, but in my mind, the thing that was kind of where a podcast where I can swear. So, um, I was, I was <laughs> fucked up in my head. I was. And, um, Guy had to go ahead and say, "Listen, let's let's let's, let's rebuild between the years a little bit, mm-hmm. and let's rebuild your heart." But the, the reason I asked that with you is because I will say this: that what you have told me is that pre and post, maybe some of the the head and heart issues um, got cleaned up, where you were a different person coming out of it. You know, the one thing I'm going to say, and I'll shut up here. But um, my wife and I were just talking, driving back from Michigan yesterday, and, and the one thing we said is. You know we're in a stage of our life that we're really just enjoying trying to enjoy each other mm-hmm. and enjoy our family and i think the thing that um you know when you're young when we were young we had the biggest eyes in the world they were like plates mm-hmm. and the world's our oyster and we're gonna go get married and we're gonna go have kids and we're gonna go have this picket house and we're gonna do this we're gonna have vacation and this and that and da, da, da. Then you get this stuff. Then pretty soon you're saddled with debt. And then you're saddled with birds. And you're saddled, saddled, saddled. Then you got to work to provide for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to enjoying this. And what's cool about you, I think, and I'm not saying I would ever wish this cancer on anybody, um, but the cool thing about what came out of it, it sounds to me like you're saying, hey, um, that that somewhere over the rainbow every day is a rainbow for you in a certain way.
2: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, um, you know, when you're in your 20s or your 30s, some people want like a bigger house or a nicer car, or that kind of thing. And I would look at my friends that had bigger houses than we had because we bought our first house like three years into our marriage and thinking, okay, like someday I want to have like a kitchen and a family room combined, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not a separate, not too separate. Mm-hmm. And... I went through cancer, and um, we always said that when I would go back to work after staying home for nine years, we would get our next house, our second house. One day, Mike calls me. It was, like, totally out of the blue, and he's like, hey, hon, yeah? You know, and normally it's like, can you pick up something such and such at the store? And it wasn't that. It was, do you really want to move? And I said, well, I'd kind of like a bigger bathroom so we could share a bathroom, and I'd kind of like a family room and kitchen that were bigger. And he goes, you know, with all that we've been through, why do we want to do that to ourselves? Why do we want to stress ourselves out? And we have everything we need. And you know, I said, well, can we talk about this later? Because I'm trying to process and I'm driving. And I mean, I completely agreed with him. Hmm. And then it just became, okay, we have the smallest house pretty much of all of our kids' friends. And but those kids friends would come in and um, you know just say that they felt like they were in a home and they were they felt comfortable being with us and when could they come over again and what you know and so it wasn't about the square footage it was about creating this place that was a home that was welcoming to others. Well,
1: I think you said the, the magic thing there is that a lot of people say they want a bigger house. But I know many, many people, many people that have houses that would put anyone to shame. But they don't have a home. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that I would take a home. In fact, I know that. I would take a home any day yeah. over, over a house. I so have no regrets. There. Yeah. Well, I, I, let's talk about a couple other things here. So, um, you have just retired. and But before your retirement, um, you got to share a great story with everybody on the way in, and um, I I, I want to hear about um, the American Girl doll story, and um, I just had to make sure the equipment was still working, so, (laughs) um, yes it is, so um, I I want them, I, I want you to tell a story, and I don't want to give away the punchline, because there's a pretty cool story that um, I, I think the numbers I heard were bigger than any of the numbers you actually shared with me out front. But you want to share with me again your awesome story
2: about the American girl. You bet. Yeah. So, um, so last year when the pandemic hit um, in March, obviously we went we went to home learning. We really didn't know what we were doing. No, no one did. No school districts did, and um, we went through that. And I. Um, we were given one two-hour time period where we could go into school and retrieve anything that we needed to work with our kids twice a week. In the spring, when the pandemic first hit, we could only see our kids twice a week for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. each time. So I went to school. I emailed my students' parents, and I said, do any of the kids want books? Because they're not used to reading books online. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed books for whichever parents responded and dropped books off on the front porch and they waved from indoors, from inside the window, you know, and um, had to learn technology, which was not easy for me. It was (laughs) so, so difficult, um, the technological piece. But um, through it all, at the end, after the school year, well, when the school year was almost over, my students... All had a huge car parade in front of my house at home and I had almost all my kids come and it just was so incredibly heartwarming it was just it was amazing and um, a month later one of my students moms asked if I could um, just have like front yard talk with her daughter And um, I would just keep a folding chair in the trunk of my car. Kids wanted to see me or just touch base because they were having a hard time. I would do that. And um, so I pulled out my folding chair and put it in her grass in the front yard. And I did that two times. And the third time that they asked me to come over, they gave me a little gift bag with an acrostic poem that spelled Mrs. Click with, like, descriptors. Wait,
1: uh, what kind of poem?
2: So acrostic poem, so it's like it says spells out misses and then click, but the M stands for something. The oh, R stands it, for something. Okay, it, it, okay. You, do you know, I what, I mean? know what that? You said yeah. That earlier, never heard that yeah, one. yeah.
1: That's so, why you're a teacher and I'm the student.
2: Right? Too, so. <laughs> no. So um, I just thought, oh, this is so sweet. You know, thank you so much. And and they told me that they nominated me for this um, Heroes for Heart, this pandemic award through American Girl Doll. And um the older sister who I had starts jumping up and down and clapping and saying, We won! We won! I'm like, Oh, that's great. That's so you won. That's so exciting. And um I thought she said that um there were five entries and I was the one that won from the five entries. So I go home and I tell Mike, you know, Oh, I, I won some American Girl doll like pandemic awards, something like that and he's like, Well, what is it? And I said, well, I actually don't, I don't really know. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm going to call American Girl Doll. Right, and, but you
1: knew all about what American Girl Doll was at oh, time. Oh, of course.
2: Yeah. My daughters had them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But you know, yeah. right. So, um, I go upstairs and I call them and, and, um, I said, you know, I, th- I'm, I think I'm the recipient of like a hero's <laughs> heart or pandemic, some type of pandemic award through American Girl. And, she said, "You know, I need to go look that up." And she comes back and she said, um, "She said, you know, Miss Click, this wasn't just five applicants. This there were thousands of applicants, and you were one of five winners, recipients of this." And I was like, "Oh, no! It's kind of sounding exciting now."
1: Yeah, I heard on this news when I, I heard this uh, recording, um, you know, I think it was from WGN recently, and they were saying that you know worldwide there was like a hundred thousand. Yeah, you know, people nominated so mm-hmm. let's not diminish the fact of what what you've done wow. and um, um, I, I, I so what happens with this award
2: so um yeah and I don't know how many people had sent in applications I'm not sure I I thought it was a couple thousand I don't know yeah but um so they said that I would receive an American Girl doll in my likeness and so I was the representative of a teacher for a hero during this time of pandemic, Mm -hmm. this pandemic time. And so um, I went to their house to pick up my doll. And I texted their mom and said, can you just tell me what color to wear so I can kind of match my doll? Because my girls used to love to match what their American Girl Mm -hmm. dolls. And she said, well, here, wear this. And she sent me a picture that they had pulled off my Facebook page. So I showed up in that outfit, and there is my doll, In the exact same outfit.
1: You showed us a picture right before this interview. (laughs) I cannot believe it. It is spotting. I mean, you guys are friends. It's mother-daughter.
2: No, No, she has the lanyard, the little fob to get into the school, the little book bag. I mean, the whole nine yards.
1: So is this for sale? or Is this a Pam dollar for sale, or is it just a a one-of-a-kind? It
2: was just a a one-of-a-kind.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: and you know, um, when I was interviewed by WGN... The, one of the radio talk shows, he said, "You know, so did you win any money? Did you win anything?" And like, no, I just won my doll. Like that was so awesome. I just wow. won. I won me. You
1: won you, See? which is pretty cool. But the the fact that they're only going to make five of these out of all those entries is pretty darn yeah, awesome. Yeah,
2: so. it's really special. I was so glad for the girls too. So
1: you end up um uh, uh, uh retiring, and uh, but you had a really cool retirement. Party, mm-hmm. and um, I tell them really quickly about that retirement party because I'm going to go ahead and throw a punchline in there. But I, I, when I hear the story, I, I want to get to the legacy. But um, tell me about that that retirement party.
2: Okay, so um, so my husband and I, Mike and I, have talked about me retiring. It used to be in two years, then it was one year, and then we have this whole crazy last school year. And I would say to Mike, I just can't retire in a year like this when I'm not with my kids and it's so abnormal and I don't have students coming back to see me for hugs before or after school. You know, everything's still kind of on lockdown. Even though the kids came back starting in February, it's just different. And so he would just say, you know, well, do what you need to do kind of, but I'm ready to retire and, but I want you to do what you, what you need to do. And I said, well, I will only feel comfortable retiring if I feel like I have closure, because I have loved my job. I have loved my kids, my families, and I, I need to, I just wanna say goodbye to them. So um, I kept hitting roadblock after roadblock. I tried, I knew I couldn't do anything at school because you couldn't with COVID. So I called our Towns Park District and two neighboring Towns Park District buildings and it was an adamant, no, I could not do it. I couldn't have more than however many people come. Um, then I wanted to rent an ice cream truck so that um, I didn't just have... Just so you
1: know, I think that's bullshit. But that's eat. my editorial. But anyways, cool for you for doing this, and I'll shut up again.
2: I tried. I really tried. And it was very important to me that I had closure and that I could see these families and these kids that I have worked with and that have are just... They're just a huge part of my heart, you know, and my they're my school family, mm-hmm. and so um, when push came to shove, um, three of my students' parents said, "Pam, we will help you." And I went to my principal and I said, "Can you contact administration and see if there's any way I can have just a gathering of people to say goodbye to on our playground?" And so, come they said, "Yeah, she can do it." And it was it didn't happen in other places. And maybe other people didn't want something like that, or maybe they didn't feel comfortable with that. I don't know, but it was very important to me. And I just had to think like, this is what I need. It wasn't what I wanted. It was really what I needed to feel like I was saying goodbye. So... I rented an ice cream truck for two hours. Parents and kids paid for their own ice cream, but I reserved it.
1: I can't believe you didn't pay for it in that rich salary that you have <laughs> I know. kindergarten, right. first grade teacher.
2: No, fifty an hour that was like good <laughs> enough yeah. for me, exactly. And so, um, at any rate, um, Mike and I got there twenty minutes before it started and I had the I had this gathering on the blacktop by the playground for two hours from four to six. And One person was on the blacktop walking towards me, and I hadn't seen her in 15 years. She was a student that I tutored for three years while I stayed at home. Her name's Lindsay. Mm. And Lindsay walks towards me, and I can tell she's trying not to cry. And Lindsay struggled in school, but she really excelled in certain areas, and one area that she excelled in was sign language. And so when we would take little movement breaks during my one-hour tutoring sessions, she, um, we, she would teach me sign language and maybe we'd march and count by fives or tens. But I helped her mom and, and her and she ended up receiving a diagnosis at school, which she needed for extra support. And here walks Lindsay. She's in her 30s. I tutored her when she was in second, third, and fourth grade. And she hugged me so tight and pulled away from me, and she was sobbing. I mean, tears just pouring down her face. She said, Mrs. Click, I made it. And she said, I am a deaf and hard of hearing teacher. And she goes, and can you believe it? But I'm working on my master's degree. Did you Mm. ever think this would happen? Mm. And I was like, yes! Mm. Yes, I knew it would happen! So she was the first person I saw. And for two solid hours after that I probably Mike said I had a line of 10 to 15 families for two solid hours and I probably had over 250 people that came it was amazing Mm -hmm. my former principal from 30 years ago came back and my parents the greatest thing was for me was that Mike got to see all of this and my parents sat under a tree kind of distant from people and sat under a tree and watched this whole thing for two hours.
1: It's pretty awesome. It
2: was so mm-hmm. amazing.
1: Well, I, I think one thing that I heard, too, was that you taught certain people way back when, and then you ended up teaching their kids. Is that right?
2: So um, that wasn't completely correct, but I did teach. Um, yeah, I, I had people from a previous school district like 30 years ago that came back. Mm. I could have, but mm. I had kids that were going on to, um, they just graduated from college they mm. came back. Mm. One of my students just graduated and he got his first job and said "And this click, I just bought my first car today. You know, so I just had the whole gamut mm. from my first graders that were just with me to these kids that were in their 30s.
1: Well, for me, I will say this as a, a Pam friend and a Pam admirer, and um, just being connected—that's um, that, freaking legacy. That's I mean, that's so, a, cool. it's, it's so totally cool. And I know you and I probably, in a good way, have big eyes in, in the sense that we wanted to change the world and we wanted to make an impact. And I think that uh, the one thing that I, I, I let very few people in, um, and I, I let you in because maybe we were just young and stupid. And we didn't trust a lot of people, but for some reason, we've kept that. And so over the years, I've known to this day that I could trust you you know, with anything, and um, hopefully you feel the same way here. But I, I think there's that natural inclination that, that that we have that. But I think knowing you well enough that it, you've never said, "Let I've never seen you once, I will say this, um, let the uh, sun shine on me. I, I, want, I want the sunshine.
2: No, I, I don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah,
1: you don't. But Mm-mm. I will tell you. It's probably a couple drinking stories where the sun did shine on you, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think you set out for that purpose. <laughs> um, but um, if you were, let's go through and kind of maybe start wrapping some of this stuff up here, but um, let's go through breast cancer. Um, what's your message to people that are going through difficulties like that? You, you are talking to other women that are feeling despondent. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they, they, they don't know what they're going to do. Or a husband who might be having a wife. You know, one of the coolest things I wanted to say is that the fact that um you go through stuff, I, I really believe that you go through bullshit in life, either blowing yourself up or allowing I mean having things happen to you because when you come out on the other side it's one more superhero or superpower that you have to help other people. Mm-hmm. And so while you would advise a Pam, hey you wanna have breast cancer in a few years and but I'm gonna let you help other people, you'll come out of it okay. You probably got help now. Oh, yeah. But, um, so, what would you say to, to, to those people, to that question?
2: I would say, don't be afraid to accept help. And accept help of any kind. Whether it's mowing the lawn or planting mm-hmm. flowers so that your front yard makes you feel good. Or taking your kids or bringing you meals or driving you to your appointments because you can't... Just accept help because it makes people want to help you and it's the only they can't take away your cancer they can't take away your difficulty but they can help you in certain ways and it makes them feel just as good as it's probably necessary for you Mm. Um, so accepting help and there is always and will always be positives that come out of negatives even when the outcome isn't good there will still be some positives i've seen that happen with my friend who passed um we had it at the same time and although um her outcome was not like mine um she had many positive rainbows but I, i want to speak to the husbands too yeah please and you know When I went through my cancer, Mike was all about making sure that I was okay and doing everything so that I could heal and I could be whole, and wanting me to be back to how I was. And, I mean, you'll never go back to how you were, but but go back to how, how you're meant to be, you know, how you should be in life, instead of being scared or being worried or, you know, that kind of thing. And... He was so focused on that for me. And I knew that I needed to do it to be the best mom and the best wife, the best community member, parent at school, daughter, you know, everything. And I was helping myself and and I went to therapy. I was treated for PTSD. I went through seven sessions for PTSD. It was amazing. It was the best thing I could have ever done joining a support group wasn't the right thing for me, but you know, it is the right thing for some people. But through the, the therapy for PTSD, it was so helpful to me. And I really feel like I turned a corner. One day, Mike and I were sitting down and this was a year later. And Mike said, just started sobbing in our brown leather chair in front of the window and just said, you know, everyone helped you and everyone took care of you and I took care of you and he said but through it all and he said and I wanted that and I want that for you but through it all I didn't have anyone and he's just sobbing and I realized how important it is for the husbands to have somebody to talk to for people to encourage the husband to also seek help and to have guys take the husband out just just even for an hour or thirty minutes because they feel guilty leaving their wife. Mike wouldn't leave me. He would not leave me. And you know, I just I have to say, like, the thing that I've said to Mike is he the way Mike was with me is the verse from the Bible where they talk about God and they say, He will never leave you nor forsake mm-hmm. you. And that was how Mike was for me. But then Mike needed to get that help for himself. And I just so encourage other people going through cancer and cancer survivors. I really try and reach out to the husbands. And I share Mike's story with them because because their outcome is just as important. And you want dad to be, like, whole and comfortable and, and not being pulled back, too.
1: Well, I think that, um, I I was telling you right beforehand, I'm in this group called Iron Sharpens Iron, and then every Thursday, today, I have a small group of ten guys, Mm -hmm. and I had to get one guy, just one guy, to join, then I got a second, and these are all a bunch of meathead guys that, um, you know, they they probably go to church once a week, they've never read the Bible in their life, and uh, they're they're, they're afraid of hand-holding and kumbaya, and quite honestly, you know me, I'm not that guy. And but, um, what we found is that we create a, a, a bond of brothers yeah. where it's a brotherhood where it's more like pound your chest, dude. I got your back, you got my back, kind of thing. And by the way, we're a bunch of meatheads, we like to drink beer, we, we, we like uh, smoke a cigar, we like to play sports, we like to do the things that men, but what we found that unlike women, men will suffer in silence, right? Exactly, and, and uh, it's you don't realize all these men, I'm talking to the men out here, uh, you, you suffer in silence. And you don't have to. I spent 10 years of my marriage really being alone, not because of my wife, not at all because of her, but because I felt the burden to work and provide for my wife and my kids and want to make sure I provided. But yet, you know, my friend Joe, when Joe Mm -hmm. died, you know, that's my my tears. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I lost my brother. And, um, you know, um, and so I'm like, I'll never find another Joe. And I haven't. But I, I got once I opened myself up, I found a lot of really cool guys. Yeah, they are like mini guys that fill up little little parts of my heart. Mm-hmm. But I think it's great words because guys need that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so, let me let me go through uh, uh, one more thing here in, in a serious note. Then we're going to have a little fun as we wrap stuff up here. Okay. Um, legacy. What's your legacy? Mm.
2: You know. I think one of the most important things is to treat others the way you want to be treated. And, and what you give to others, you'll get tenfold more in return, and I just, um, I think my legacy is that I just feel so rich from everything that I've received, thank goodness, from friends and students and families and my own girls
1: but legacy I'm going to change this a little bit I love that so let me the legacy for your family I know you well enough I'm going to speak to that legacy the legacy of your heart is your family and the legacy from your heart is your marriage and your children and the fact that you got two fucking rock star daughters who are not only successful but they have a heart probably just as good as yours Mm -hmm. probably
2: right? yeah they're good kids
1: and then, but as far as legacy that you've left, what have you left the world with? That's what I wanna know. There's times where you can brag and there's times and not, but here's the deal, if it's the truth, it's not bragging. <laughs> because I know you're shitty at certain things. I know I'm shitty at certain things. I know the things I'm great at, I'm the, I'm the best at. Fortunately, 95% of the stuff in my life I suck at, but the 5% that I'm good, there's nobody that's better than me. Mm-hmm. What, what have you left the world with?
2: I think just giving my heart to others. Um, just putting it out there and making myself available.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not to the detriment of myself, but to the benefit of others.
1: Yeah, as an outsider, if I can say this, and again, this is not been pre-scripted, we're just no, going here, yeah. but I think that... Um, you know, you're you're in a, a field that's highly regulated. Um, you're not allowed to say certain things and you're encouraged to say other things. You've already told me that you have this little wild hair where you're not going to follow the guides under certain things as long as I'm doing what's best for the kids. Mm-hmm. As an outsider who's known you for a long, long time, I'm going to tell you that probably your legacy is eternal in the sense that you have poured your life and your heart into not teaching, because you've done that well, but you poured your heart into the hearts of others, yeah. and in doing so, you filled up their hearts. And what you've done is filled up a gas tank so that these people receive it, and they can do the same. Yeah. You will not know, Pam, mm-hmm. until you die,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that that upside down, you know, tree root as far as how much of an impact you made to people. Yes. Are you aware of that?
2: Um, I guess I've. I've tried to have that perspective um, since I met with one of my mentor moms from church. Um, and it's interesting you say that because when I was struggling with retiring, because I really, I would have kept working if it weren't for Mike really, you know, wanting to start a life of being retired together. Um, but the what you just said is what my friend had said to me, is that, um, and it's given me a sense of solace, that I may not be directly impacting my students and directly impacting those families because I'm not living in that same location or I'm not there or I'm not doing the same job. But what I have done is... um, kind of like you're saying, that I've left like the start of the roots for them now.
1: And those branch out and those yes, branch out and yes. those branch out. Yeah, so. and I
2: wish I could remember the words that she used with me. In fact, I, I texted her to ask her what it was because it made me feel better knowing that what I have started isn't done. It's not. That's, that's all I'm that's that makes me feel better right you, now. You tossed yeah. a baton.
1: Mm-hmm. And the people who picked it up, you know, a lot of people who picked it up, and yeah. you, you won't know a lot of people that picked up. Right. But there's going to be a couple that impact one or two people, and there's going to be some that impact, you know, hundreds of people. Yeah. But it's coming from the Pam tree, you know. Yeah. And honestly, if you weren't plugged into God doing the things you, you did, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be there. So. Right. Yeah. All right. So, last thing, anything you want to say to any other <laughs> listeners here that um, want to hear um, a, a, a Pam wisdom? Is there one Pam wisdom that? Your mom or your dad told you that you'd never forget no one else that you live by, or uh, that you tell your kids, or is there a, anything you want to say before I go to the wrap-up here? <laughs>
2: um, okay, so one of our things is, winners never quit and quitters never win.
1: That's a Vince Lombardi thing.
2: Is it? I don't know it. Yeah. It's what my grandpa said.
1: I took it, and yeah. I thought it was mine, and someone said, you're a st- yeah. thief. You took it from yeah, Vince Lombardi, no. and I thought it was mine. But
2: my grandpa said it. I love that. Me too. And... Um, The other I mentioned earlier that I've said to Mike is we're getting ready to move. And that is I just feel like so rich and full and complete because of all that I've given during, you know, the last 30 years since we've been married. I feel like I have gotten even more in return and just um, we've never lived like a rich financial monetary life but my life could never be this I mean the, my life is amazing my life is awesome I don't have to have everything for my life to be great and my life is really good does that mean it doesn't have its as hard, as hard times absolutely but I know from what I went through with cancer and you know having other health issues in our family that I know what it's like to be down on the ground and i want to enjoy even if it's just one thing from that day it's one thing
1: yeah that's wonderful i I have a priest friend of mine he said i've never had a bad day ever really he goes i've had a bad moment but never a bad day and i'm sure you've had bad days um but i gotta tell you you lived a, a pretty hey you're young and um you're 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 gonna be retiring probably 20 years ahead of me and um and you've lived a full life. It's like we're, we're talking like this. I like can go up and die. But the reality of it is, you're going on your next phase of your life. Mm-hmm. But you've lived uh, up till now a very, very full life, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. So, um, okay. So now we going to do something that's fun for me. So I do this all the time with my my my, my wife and my kids, and I call it rapid fire, and yeah, I do this all my guests, and um, so. I will start off, and and you got to say the first thing that comes to mind. And um, I learned so much about people, but we have a lot of fun with this. So here we go. Ready? Yep. Okay. Bucket list place you've never been to that you want to go to?
2: An island in Hawaii. I've been to Maui, but I'd like to go to another place in Hawaii.
1: Um, A bucket list place that you've been to that you want to go back to?
2: Italy. Okay, where? Uh, Cinque Terre. Which is where? That's um, south along the sea. It's beautiful. Okay. It's amazing. And they make the best pesto there. Okay. Okay. And
1: um, so a bucket list thing that you've done, is there any kind of experience that you want to do? Is there any kind of activity you want to do?
2: Mm hmm So my pie in the sky dream would be to be on Sesame Street.
1: I do remember that from a long, long, long time I, ago.
2: I oh. want to be, I want to, like, work on the social-emotional learning with Oscar the Grouch and be there with Big Bird. And, like, like literally, if anyone knows anyone on Sesame Street, hook me up. Because that's what I would... Love and work on phonics and do all that kind of stuff.
1: WTTW PBS. If you're out <laughs> listening, I have a great friend of mine who wants to be on Sesame Street. Okay, um, you're gonna die tonight, and you're in an electric chair. You get to schedule your last meal. What is your last meal? Um,
2: probably pesto. I love pasta with with pesto sauce. Anything
1: on the side? Anything to um, drink? Any?
2: Mm, no, I like water with lemon. I mean, I'm pretty simple. I would like fruit, maybe fruit. I love a good salad.
1: Okay, I gotta yeah. say, just for all my listeners here, this was the worst answer I've ever heard my entire <laughs> life with regards to food. Um, and I want on the record, I've never heard anything worse. <laughs> <of it>. um, <laughs> um, so, just so you know, for me, I'm gonna tell you, probably, I'm gonna have maybe just a really petite fillet piece of salmon on the side. I'll probably have a great grilled Caesar salad. Um, and then for dessert, I'll have a brandy Alexander. I'll have a cigar, uh, uh, some port wine. And um, I got to think of a cool appetizer, but I, I, I thought about this. for Really? No, I've
2: not thought about it and I would just still stick with my answer.
1: So world record worst guess with regards to that answer. <laughs> um, Okay, in the history of the world of someone not living, if you could have dinner with anybody, forget Jesus, because I think you and I both feel the same way in that, who would that be?
2: Um, somebody not living. Probably my grandpa. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I would love to ask him mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then for somebody not related to you. Who I could have dinner with do
2: they have to be deceased
1: yeah not living i'm getting to a living here in a second
2: Um, george washington why well like so much happened in history i mean it does it every single time i would say him or abraham lincoln i mean those are the two lincoln's that, my guy yeah, yeah because of everything that happened in history and mm-hmm. what what they did and how difficult it was and yeah so
1: Okay, alive. If you could have dinner with anybody alive um, that you haven't, who would that be?
2: Um, I really like Oprah. I would love to speak with Oprah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: probably Oprah. Okay. Pam, i got to tell you, I have had like the best time hanging with I you. Know. I know. This is really Are fun. you going to do
2: your boo-boo bear kind of little...
1: I'm, I'm gonna catch you at the end. I forgot all about this. Yeah. So tell him the story.
2: Yeah, so Larry, um, I call him affectionately called him Boo Boo Lair because he could do this boo boo bear talk <laughs> like 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 uh, what who was My, it? Um Yogi Bear. Yo- yeah, Yogi. Yogi, bear. Yogi and Boo Boo. Yogi Boo Boo was like the little the little <laughs> brother <laughs> of the, the son or say boo
1: boo right now. Yeah. But here we go. Ready? Yep. Yeah. We're gonna go. I can't even do it with a smile on my face. Okay, here we go. We're gonna go on a picnic, Emmy. Whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> I could yeah, do it we're better back get then. A
2: little picnic. Basket. We're gonna go
1: on a picnic. <laughs> well, that was great. Good. Well, um, thank you for embarrassing me. Um, you got thank, it. thank you so much for coming. I, I am Thanks, so Sarah. grateful, and thank you, you um, for 36 years of being a great friend in my life, and I. I really believe that your message here is great, and um, I think that you're gonna impact a lot of people's lives, and I'm excited for you and your retirement, and it'll be fun to see what you go, and there's a little vein in the back of my mind that as you're saying this, I just all of a sudden say, well, what the hell? What if she goes down there, and after you're bored and she said, hey, I'll go down there and start teaching down there. I
2: know you never know. You never
1: know. You can yeah. take the teacher out of the classroom, but maybe you can't take the classroom out of the teacher. I
2: agree. I'm going to have to do something with kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, listen. I want to say thanks again and thank you to Cherry Creek Mortgage. Really grateful. Uh, Selfish, uh, same, shameless self promotion, but um, uh, Cherry Creek, thank you for for funding this show and this time that I've had with Pam. And from all of us here at No Rewind, we want to say thank you, Pam. We wish you the best with everything in thank the future. You. And thanks for inspiring a ton of hearts. So this is Larry Beteg with No Rewind, and we will see you in the next episode soon. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Beteg from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Bettag. Larry Bettag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered.
0: Thank you for joining Larry Bettag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind.